Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that has taken the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is a, I don't know, we're calling it, you know, just college baseball excitement live on Twitter, something that I've never done Um you know, I'm excited to have AJ Sessions of College Baseball Central, also in Off the Bench is the Hot Corner. If you haven't checked it out yet, him and Caleb Friedman from Auburn Baseball last night had a one-on-one session. Really good, man. Insight about Auburn Baseball. Check it out, especially, you know, they've been – him and Alex have been making the SEC Baseball rounds, and so it's just – it's good content. If you really want to get to know more than just about your team and know what's going on in the SEC this year – um, follow what they're doing at the hot corner. It's great stuff. But then we got Dennis, a.k.a. Bomb Squad. I don't even like calling him Dennis. Like, dude, you're bomb and nothing else. Met him last year in Arlington. Can't wait to see him. You know, what are we, like a month out, like, from Arlington again? Yeah, we're 31 days from opening day. And then uh, Arlington will start on February 23rd. So uh, I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for what you got going on, Omaha's by Fireside. If you're not familiar with that, um, man, he's he's diving into the life of what Arkansas baseball players and their families live. A, a unique um, show, not something, you know, in off the bench gets the player stories. You know, AJ, their show talks about the teams, but Dennis is diving in with, you know, what it's like being a part of that family and that experience, getting to know them and how that works and so uh, all three of us working together collectively to grow the game um and today is one of those days and you know i'm going to start i'm going to direct it towards you aj like i said there's nothing scripted about this obviously just messaged you guys a little bit ago so no like actual direction we're going to do this but starting with you aj what's let's dive into d1 baseball's top 25 what's the biggest thing that you liked about it uh, I like that they weren't afraid to take LSU out of the one spot and give it to Wake. Um, Wake Forest, I think, looking at that roster this year, they deserve the number one spot. The talent they have on the pitching side and on the offense, they have two top five units on both sides of the ball. And so many times we see the defending champ, if they're bringing back key guys, they get the benefit of the doubt. And for me, just – seeing them put a team that didn't even make the finals last year and giving Wake Forest its roses for the program that they've built. Um, that, that was very refreshing to see while still keeping LSU, you know, in a respectable number four spot. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Dennis? What was the thing that, man, you just saw it and you're like, you, you love that. Well, I'll say this, uh, the Wake Forest, I think that's 100% deserved it. Number one with what they've got with the transfer class they have coming in. Uh, one of the things I really liked, and we could debate whether teams are too high, too low all day long, but seeing the inclusion of squads like East East Carolina and UC Santa Barbara, Coastal Carolina, Northeastern, these squads that a lot of people may not know a lot about but have really good baseball programs, uh, and that's what I love about college baseball. It's not the same teams year in and year out that are going to be in the top 25. There's a lot more parity across the country when it comes to baseball. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say for me, I mean, there's actually a lot of things I love. Of course, you know, naturally when I post it, I'm going to say the things that I disagree with. And this is something that I actually disagree with, but I love that they're going to stand on it. I like Alabama at 19. Alabama is a team that I'm not high on. But what I love is they have been talking up Alabama all offseason, and it wasn't just for show. They stood behind the talk. They put them up there in the rankings. You know, they believe they're going to have a good season. And that's my whole thing, right, guys? If you're going to talk about it, actually be about it. And, like, you know, I see so many times people will, from no matter who who they're covering or what, you know, what site they're from, talk so good about a team, and then it doesn't match up with their rankings, right? So I love seeing Alabama up there. Like I said, not something I believe in, but I'm good with it. As far as something you don't like, AJ, you know, what is something that uh, you just don't, you know, what's not like throw anything hateful, but what's something you just see and it just leaves you kind of mind-boggled? Yeah, I mean, going to the Alabama pick, I don't know if have you have Alabama in the top 20 and South Carolina barely at 25. Uh, I think if you just do a pure roster comparison um, against most of these teams, I think Iowa at 20 is probably a little too low as well. Um, but just looking at it, I think South Carolina has a lot fewer question marks than some of the teams in front of them. And frankly, I, I, wanted, I would love to hear the conversation about why they fall behind teams like Northeastern and Texas Tech and Alabama. Right. And let's talk about South Carolina for a second. You know, we were talking about, obviously, in the in the heart of that lineup, talking about Petri, Casas, and Messina. But let's talk about the pitching side, because I think, AJ, for somebody like you who studies South Carolina the way you do, I don't think people realize that they have a great set of pitchers. And talk about a few of those guys that maybe people aren't understanding that South Carolina is going to come back with some guns on the mound. Yeah. And, I mean, the two guys they returned who threw – important innings and started for them in important games last year. Eli Jones and Matthew Becker, both are juniors. Both have been there and had success in the SEC. And we're talking Matthew Becker through six innings, one run against Vanderbilt his freshman year. And that was after six innings, one run against Texas back when they had that incredible lineup. Um, Eli Jones went into tough environments and gave quality starts to a South Carolina team that desperately needed it when Will Sanders and uh, Noah Hall went down. So these are guys who have been there not only in the Division One play, but been there in SEC play. And then you're bringing in Roman Kimball, who's just kind of the X factor. He's been mid-90s. He can probably touch upper 90s once he gets settled into a role. Um, might start as the Sunday guy, but has Friday night stuff. And that's just an arm that no one's seen in a couple of years. So kind of going well, on. If they want to see him, you know, a plug for him. If you follow Roman on social media – he puts out the videos of, you know, if you want to see work ethic, he's showing you firsthand. We talk about things of growing the game. Roman has been showing you his whole rehab and where he's at, and you can see him throw live, and he actually gives dis- discussion about what he's got going on. So if you want to kind of see the insight of a recovery of a college baseball pitcher and then see him and where he's at and kind of uh, get an idea of that X factor AJ's knowing about, um, definitely follow Roman on social media. It's a great follow. Yeah, I mean, he he's posting everything from live at-bats he has against teammates to his workout back home to just, you know, even go back to when he tours UCL, the rehab process from the get-go. He always even goes back to when he was playing for Notre Dame against Tennessee in that uh, Super Regional. So he, he has a ton of good content on that channel. Uh, if you like college baseball, if you want a behind-the-scenes look, there's a, there's a great avenue for you. Absolutely. All right, Dennis, when you looked at it, I know me and you messaged each other immediately, so I have an idea. I know what you're going to say, but what was the thing that jumped off to you? The, the first one jumps out at me is Vanderbilt sitting there at six. Yeah, they've got good pitching, 
where are they going to score runs? They lost probably their best two bats. Uh, I just think Vanderbilt's going to struggle. They ended the season last year at number 19. And, and for me, they didn't add enough in the offseason to, to justify a jump to number six in the postseason. Uh, and Texas A&M sitting there at eight. I, I'm not as high on Texas A&M. Uh, well, before you continue on, let's jump. Let's jump on the Vandy thing for a second, and it kind of, um, you know, goes with what AJ was saying, talking about South Carolina. I feel the same way, also with Tennessee, and then obviously you got Florida. Like Vandy is, to me, easily the fourth best team in the East, and I just don't know how you have them ranked higher. And I really think, you know, and it's not to their fault that the the East is loaded, but I mean, I think they're really going to struggle. And if you look at their schedule, I mean, the East is going to be brutal. I, I. I'm going to say it. You know what? I'm going to take a thumping, Dennis. AJ, I'm, I'm going out there and saying it. Oh, God, I'm going to have so many people on Memphis. <laughs> I think the East is stronger than the West this year. I, I just do. And, uh, you know, I feel really strongly about Arkansas and LSU. Outside of that, you know, I have I got Ole Miss at three. It could easily be A&M. But I just don't feel as strong about the West. It's where the East – I mean, I feel like your top three, top four, if you include Manny in that conversation, are just stacked. Yeah, and if you look at the top four, you're talking Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, and then Vanderbilt. And then some people have a true belief in Kentucky. You saw them in perfect games, top 25, all right? And so you see AJ. So, I mean, you're talking about five right there. Like, I can't feel that same way about the West. I understand that Bama and A&M are, are in this, you know, top 25. But for me, they're really not. And I just don't, I just don't feel as good about them as I do those boys out east. No, I 100% agree with you. After you get past the top two in the West, there's there's a pretty good drop off. Where in the East, those top three or four, all four are potential could be potential Omaha clubs, depending on what how you look at it. Uh, me personally, I've got two of them in the West, in the East going to Omaha, in my Omaha eight in in Tennessee, and South Carolina. I, I do think Florida falls short of Omaha this year. We'll see how it plays out. I would love to see a redemption in the Super Regional, having those two face off again. Um, I really hated, you know, South Carolina was just injury, you know, full of injuries, snake bit going in that series. A lot of people don't realize that. They think that Florida just hammered them, but South Carolina was facing a lot of adversity. But I would love to see that matchup again this year, both teams healthy, best on best. Oh, was that – was that one to me? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a question. I was just talking back to what you're saying. You know, like, I just – I would love to see that match. I know – I already know where A.J. stands. Like, he's 100% down. He would be there covering it, boots on the ground. Yeah, I mean, Florida's ended South Carolina's season the past two seasons. So, I, I South Carolina definitely would like revenge there. Um, but, you know, Jim, like you said, if, if South Carolina is healthy – throughout the year, then they don't have to face Florida in a super regional. They, they were so depleted um, and pieced together a competitive team by the end of the year, but it was, it was limping to the barn a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's the I was talking about taking heat. The biggest thing that I've taken heat for is actively going against my own fan base and saying that if South Carolina and LSU would have played a game three last year, they would not have won it. I would have if I was betting on it, I would have bet on South Carolina. LSU got lucky to get the second game. And I bring that up to say at that time, South Carolina was playing better than any team in the country, any team, including Wake Forest. Um, and it really shows what injuries did to them. It's not that, you know, they they came back to reality. They just got injured. And that's the war of attrition is, is huge no matter what sport you're talking about. But I feel like in college baseball, especially with the pitchers nowadays, it is the difference. I mean, Dennis knows this as well as anybody. Arkansas every year, I mean, they're doing prayers right now. They're Everybody should be starting every day hitting church before work 
because they got to hope that one of their starting weekend pitchers doesn't go down before the season because it's happened the last two years. Yeah, we lost Peyton Collette two years ago in Jackson last season, and there's speculation that that's why Dave shut fall workouts down as early as he did. Uh, our fall workouts were over a full two weeks. It's before. not. Spe- it's not speculation. That's why they threw once each. He uh, he was yep. playing it safe. You know. You know what Hagen Smith and Brady Tiger bring you. There's absolutely no reason to push it. Yeah, they both threw one live outing and, and a couple bullpens, and, and that was it. Uh, Mason Molina probably got more work than any of the the other top. Those three guys are going to be in that rotation. Uh, a little bit of. A little bit of condolence to that is if we were happen to lose one of those, you got you know, you've got a dude right there at the back end in Will McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're going to have a drop off, but that's a guy that's proven he can be a, a Swiss Army knife and, and give you innings out of the bullpen or as a starter. So, I mean, I really, I really like their depth and their quality of arms. Obviously, we're also high on Gage Wood while we're, we're throwing out names, but like, um, I think that's one thing. You know, Arkansas, they're going to have to prove it with the bats. I think they're a lot better than, you know, some of these people who are completely acting like Arkansas doesn't have any bats. But um, their pitching is definitely going to be their strength, but it's a it's a massive strength. If their weekend guys do what they're supposed to do, um, and then we've talked about their schedule lining up. Their schedule lines up perfect. It's the reason why I think they will win the SEC no problem. I mean, you know, Arkansas being with as much talent as they got having the schedule lineup. You know, LSU's got to go to Bomb Walker. Um, look forward to seeing you there. That's going to be electric, but that's a hell of an environment to play in. Um, but it all just lines up. But getting into my uh, my biggest issue, I thought this might be where you go, Bomb. Where where is Oregon and Campbell? I I don't I you know what I can deal with people maybe not believing in Oregon, but I don't understand what Campbell has to do to get any kind of love. But what I do love about this that I don't like about Campbell putting UCSB at 17. That means I'm going to start the season in Bowie's Creek and I'm going to watch Campbell dismantle the number 17 team on there. And then hopefully week two, they will be in the top 25. But, you know, I know how you feel about it, Bomb. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about it first and then I'm going to see if AJ feels any kind of same way. But talk about how you had both of them in your top 25 as well. And they're not on this one. Yeah, and, and I mean, I look at a squad like Texas Tech at 21, that there's so many questions there with Texas Tech. And then you've got Com- Campbell coming back. Do they have the big-name stars? No, but that's a veteran ball club that plays gritty, plays dirty, just goes out there and knows how to win ball, sort of like A.J.'s love for, for Kentucky. Uh, I think Campbell's the same type of ball club. They just know to go, know how to go out there and win. And Oregon, yeah, they lost some to the draft, and they lost some of their incoming class, but they've still got a really good incoming class and a really talented ball club. And I, I just, I feel they they'll challenge Oregon State for the Pac-12. I do think, like Arkansas, I think the schedule sets up better for Oregon State to win the Pac-12. But Oregon, we went, we went through that last night on the episode with Aiden Jimenez. Man, they got. Oregon, Arizona State, Stanford, and UCLA all come to them. Literally, the other top four teams in the Pac-12 come to Oregon State. There's no reason why they shouldn't be a national seed um, with this thing lined up. I have Oregon as my Omaha eight team. I kind of want to change it, Bomb, but you know me. I don't like to be that guy. But, AJ, I was going through it last night, and I after we cut Aiden loose, I looked at Daniel. I said, I don't know how I don't change my Omaha eight and put Oregon State there because they're going to line up. They're going to be a host, and them hosting the Corvallis, I just feel like they're going to roll to Omaha, but I'm going to stick with the Ducks. Well, it was it was 
it was two years ago that they lost their home. Was it super or regional? Wasn't it to Vanderbilt two years ago? Two years Oregon. ago, Oregon State yeah. did, yeah. Yeah. You know so, my favorite part about Aiden last night, talking about postseason, he said in uh, Baton Rouge last year at Alex Box, he wishes he would have got the opportunity. He wanted to come in during that tie-tie game, and I thought it was awesome. Um, this is what you need to be a guy who comes in, right, And from the bullpen. You need to be not scared of anything. He wanted all the smoke. He said, I wanted to be on that stage against LSU at Alex Box. I wish it would have been me. And I was like, I said, Braden Bear would have took you yard just the same. <laughs> but, you know, for real, I, I love that. That's the kind of guy. And he's going to be the Sunday starter this year. I love that he has that mentality. He's scared of nothing. Um, it's got me really high on Oregon State. Um, going back to their top 25, coming back around to you, AJ, um, you know, looking at the SEC, we got um, – Let's stick there for a second, and then we'll get out to the other conferences. But we got we got to stay home first. So we got three, four, five, six, seven. Let me ask you this: Do you think there's any kind of possibility we see what we saw last year? Possibility eight SEC teams hosting when this thing is said and done. I mean, let's let's count through them the the teams that could. Um, you got top four, you know, two in in each division: LSU, Arkansas. Florida, uh, Tennessee, in my mind, kind of virtual locks at this point. And then South Carolina, um, Kentucky hosted last year. Uh, A&M, um, Auburn hosted last year, and I'm high on them this year. And then you know, they got Alabama close right now. It, it's it's possible. It will be very difficult. Um, I, I don't think we see it. I, I think we probably see six, maybe seven, um, which is still you – know, that's half the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you're going to see the the teams that don't host um, kit get sent out either out west to go be a two seed and torture somebody like Oregon or Oregon State. <laughs> Your worst nightmare getting getting that two seed that's a, a powerhouse from the SEC. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, uh, but not the potential is absolutely there. I, I think especially the East is as loaded as it's ever been, um, but with a little bit of lack of depth in the West potentially, we probably don't get to that eight number. Yeah, no doubt. So, Bob, let me ask you, is it better for baseball, in your opinion, you know, to have the regionals more spread out, not having as many SEC teams, or do you like it simply because bigger stadiums, bigger crowds, obviously, you know, our territory? Money-wise, yeah, you want it in those bigger stadiums. But last year when I posted a map of how the regionals stacked up and I made the comment, not very regional. Uh, I could play it both ways. Me, myself, give it to the teams that earned it, regardless of where they play at, uh, regardless where they're located at. Give it to the teams that earn it. If that means there's 12 regionals in the south and a couple up north and one out west, so be it. Uh, you need to earn it, plain and yeah. simple. So let's transition off the SEC, and I'll stay with you, Bomb, because I don't want to be the one that does it. Everybody says I'm blinded. I have some sort of love for Wake Forest. Um, you know, all three of us, I love that it's the three of us. I can say this boldly. AJ, did you see where I actually tagged you? The three of us were the only ones that I know that were on Wake before last year started. Nobody else. And I took a lot of criticism um, AJ was the first one I remember to jump on it. And then, bomb. we talked a lot about it. But this year, people are like, I don't understand why there's so much love for Wake. Um, I'll just give the simple stat that you have five guys projected to go in the top 30 of the MLB draft. That kind of speaks for itself. 
But from your eyes, Dennis, talk to me why Wake would be number one in yours. Number one, that starting rotation. Uh, Burns, Hartle, Massey. Uh, I mean, you can stack that up. And as much as I love our starting rotation here at, at, in Fayetteville, those two starting rotations, and I'll throw LSU's in as well, that's why I personally have those three teams being there at the end of the season in late June. Those starting rotations are tough to beat. And then you throw in – I'll even throw TCU into that mix a little bit, but they don't have the depth. And that's why I give a little bit of the edge to Arkansas. I think we have a little bit more depth than Wake Forest and LSU on the starting rotation. But then you add to that Nick Kurtz and the dude that I think may actually outshine Nick Kurtz this season in Seaver King being the linchpins in that lineup. I, I think Wake Forest is just lethal. We, we've seen it, that position to be in. So whether it was Tommy White with Dylan Cruz or if you stick with Wake Forest in the same team and you talk about last year it was Nick Kurtz for Brock Wilkin. Being the guy behind the guy is an awesome place to be. That's why when me and AJ talk about that South Carolina lineup, however it lines up, but being before and after Ethan is, is a beautiful spot to be. And Tommy raked last year. Nick raked, and I think you're right about Seaver. Uh, I got to see him eyes on in Nashville against Mandy, and all he did was go out there and get five hits. You know, just and he and the thing was he sprayed it all over the yard. We're not talking about he just kept hitting the same spot. I'm gonna do put it left, right, and center. Yeah, and, and I love the argument people make. Well, he wasn't playing D1 ball last year. Okay, did you see what he did with Team USA? So I'm, I mean, the the kid can play ball, and I'm excited to see what he does at Wake this season. Right. So staying in the ACC, AJ, you know, Clemson, Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, you know, all four of those are in the top 15 as well. Um, you know, talk to me about of those teams, who you think is the most likely candidate to give Wake a push? That's that's tough because each team has different strengths. Um you know, you look at Duke, and Duke has the best bullpen, I think, in the country. Like It's in incredibly underrated. Go look at those dudes who threw last year. They all return, and they're all incredibly productive. They get outs. They're effective. They come at you from every arm slot, every angle. But their offense is a question. Virginia, they lose so much leadership. Yeah, they return guys like Ethan Anderson, um, but they lose guys like Kyle Teal and Geloff. It's going to be question marks of who they fill. UNC, great recruiting class, talent coming in. Vance Honeycutt had a down year. They lose Matt Horvath, so who do they have? Um, I think it's, you know, as a South Carolina fan, I think Clemson probably pushes them the most this year. Um, Will Taylor and Cam Canarella give them a true, just explosive combination at the top of that lineup. Great defensively in the outfield as well. And then it feels like their rotation isn't stellar. It's full of, like, you know, Saturday or Sunday-level starters. Um, they don't have a true Friday night guy right now, but they have depth and there's talent there. They're going to miss a guy like Caden Grice, but uh, man, he was awesome last year. But but the rest of that talent is 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 deep, um, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, they lose Caden, they lose Billy Amick to the transfer portal. Who steps up and is does Cam take that leadership role? Does Will Taylor take that leadership role? And what do they look like this year offensively? Yeah, you talk about Billy Amick, and I thought it's interesting because there's these projections for Clemson. Um, it really shows, you know, the power of Tony V. It talks about NIL. It talks about playing the SEC, the idea that, you know, Billy left the Clemson team that's going to be right back there competing to go to Tennessee. Um, I think he 
has a chance to thrive either of them. I don't think there is a wrong decision in that, but it's interesting with, you know, your thoughts on Clemson. It'll be interesting to see. For for me, I would like to see it be UNC. Uh, I told Vance on a show, um, when we talk about my Omaha projection numbers, North Carolina has killed me. I'm not putting them in an Omaha projection this year, but I picked them the last three years and they didn't make it one. So at some point, I'm hoping, you know, even though it'd make me wrong this year, they'll make it. And maybe it'll be this year when I don't pick him. But I feel like North Carolina has a lot to work with. And just from a personal standpoint, being a fan of him, I would like to have, you know, have him there. What's crazy, guys, is to, to talk about something within off the bench. Did you know that he played shortstop in high school and our reigning defensive player of the year got thrown out to center field because in his own words, he literally sucked fielding ground balls? <laughs> hey, that, that, there are no hops in the sky. So <laughs> it's just crazy to think a guy's defensive player of the year and he's playing a position that wasn't his. He just got thrown there. I told him, I said, if I was if I was coach, I'd be talking about that was a planned design decision. I'd be taking all the credit for it. But coming to you, Bob, I got a question about a team. Um, Big Ten is not known for being good in baseball. Let's call it what it is. I have a chance the third weekend of the year. I'm going to be at Swayze to watch Iowa coming to Ole Miss. Um, are you a believer in Iowa, or is this just Brody Breck and everybody's kind of jumping on it because they have a star? <laughs> I, I think it's Breck and then a bunch of other guys, uh, and that's why I thought they fell short last year. I, I'm not a big believer in Iowa. I, I do like Bodie Breck, or, uh, Breck, but other than that, I, I just don't. I'll be surprised. I think Maryland and Rutgers will challenge them for the Big Ten. Uh, I'll actually be surprised if they do win the Big Ten. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, AJ, do you have a team that you think is, you know, worth noting outside of Iowa? And do you think Iowa's worth the ranking that they got? Uh, I think Maryland's going to be back. Yeah, they lose their head coach to Alabama, but there's a ton of talent um, on that team. They can score a lot of runs. You know, they were second in D1 in home runs last year. They're still going to rake. Um, but at the same time, I do think Iowa deserves that noise. And it's not just because of Brody Brecht. Actually, if you look at the roster last year, Marcus Morgan was probably even a better arm. Um, and he's going to be back being this. I, I, yeah, I think Brecht got it because of the LSU game. Let's, I mean, anytime you go out there and toss like that against LSU, you're going to get a lot of recognition. And so to your point, there's probably going to be guys who aren't being noticed behind him. Yeah. And I mean, that offense is sneaky good. Um but they, they have a true set rotation of guys who make up the best rotation in the Big Ten. Um, you know, this is a team that they lost in the regional at Terre Haute to Indiana State, but they knocked out your Tar Heels. They knocked out Vance and those guys. Um, and they did so by shutting down what was a, a banged up team at the time, but UNC was still a good offense and you know, holding them with quality pitching depth. And they have that again this year. Um, Iowa, you know, some people have them in their Omaha eight. I'm not that bold, but I think they're definitely in the conversation to, you know, be a regional host and win the Big Ten. Yeah. So with that, you know, bringing up the Omaha eight, Dennis, I don't know if if AJ has put his out yet or if he's ready to, but I know you and me have. So right here, live, no turning back. I'll do it after you. Give me your eight. Uh, my eight, of course, Wake Forest, Arkansas, and I think those will be the last two teams standing. LSU, Tennessee. Texas, TCU, Oregon, and where's my eighth one? Did I say Texas already? 
I believe so. You talk so fast, I didn't get a chance to write them all down. Wake Forest. All right. You had Wake, Arkansas, LSU, TCU, Texas. Tennessee. Tennessee. South Carolina. South Carolina and Oregon. And Oregon. All right. So it's crazy. That's why I'm not sure, Dennis, that we're not like a, a married couple, bro. Like we're so in tune right here. Look, I only have one difference, and it was because we actually had the same eight, but I told you I had to make way for Campbell. I'm doing this. I'm speaking it into existence. Okay. And here's my justification. I have actually told Occupy LF that I am a firm believer Texas is going to Omaha. I think it is great for Texas to be in Omaha. After being 2021, seeing their fan base come, I want it to happen. But of these eight teams, only one doesn't have an off-the-bench guest, and that's Texas. So that's going to be the only thing I could do because otherwise I don't have a reason to take Texas out. So I'm taking Texas out, and I'm putting Campbell in, roll humps, but give me the rest. Um, for my final game, just getting way too far ahead because you went ahead and said last two teams standing. I got the rematch. I got the Wake LSU rematch on deck, the one that everybody is dying for. What about you, AJ? Are you are you there yet? Do you have your eight? Yeah, so I, I tweeted my eight out before Christmas, and I've been thinking about, you know, pulling out a team, plugging a different one, but I'm just riding with it. I, I'm going with it, you know. First answer is usually the right one, usually the best one. Don't change it. Um, so alphabetical order here. Not trying to seed anything. I, I love the alphabetical order. I, I got I got Arkansas, Clemson, Kentucky, Oregon State, South Carolina, Tennessee, TCU, and Wake Forest. Dude, I love it because it's not the same as ours, right, Dennis? It gives us opportunity to, uh, you know, when it all comes said and done, we can do the whole I was right, you were right thing. Um me and AJ have actually been more in tune this year than we normally are, which is it was funny. But I have zero issue with the Oregon State, right? We've talked about it. It lines up. Um, I could definitely take out Oregon, but I'm going to ride with that. The Kentucky one is the one that's going to – I don't know. But, hey, great, great timing. We have Mason Moore on tonight from Kentucky on and off the bench. I'm going to tell him, AJ, who knows ball, he's not a casual, has you guys in Omaha, so don't let him down. Um, so – um, but give with that, you know, I talk about Mason. Give me Kentucky. Talk about why you have them. Because to put them in Omaha, you have to have a lot of conviction on why you think they're that good. Yeah. So this was a Kentucky team that, you know, went to LSU in a super last year. It's not like they weren't there. They hosted. They won their own regional. They fielded at the best clip in the country. And they're bringing back basically their entire core. Um and then the guys that they're losing, they're bringing in transfer pieces to basically upgrade at those positions. Pitching staff gets deeper, bringing in guys like Dominic, Dominic Neiman and Trey Puzer from the transfer portal gives them extra starter options should they need it. They don't. They're deep enough on the mound. All those guys get ground balls. That ballpark is a cavern. Their style of play, hit gaps, hit triples, don't try to launch it because it doesn't work in March and April in Kentucky. Um, that kind of ball wins series in the sec in the cold you saw what happens when teams go and play in the cold you know tennessee goes to mizzou last year and gets swept teams go to kentucky and have trouble and it's because kentucky is confident in the style of ball they play it's such an experienced group it might be the oldest group in the country it's definitely the oldest group in the sec um, and they've been there done that and they believe in the style of ball they're going to play it doesn't matter 
who's on the mound. They barrel up hard pitching. They they fight off skeins. You know, they peppered him around the yard a little bit. Pitching wasn't exactly there. Pitching improves. Uh, I, I think Kentucky, I, I think that says a lot about their lineup because they didn't just give him trouble once, but twice. Kentucky yeah. lineup. So the idea that you know um, a guy who really South Carolina. Um, you know, it was really about the only one, right, that, that really got to schemes at all, the fact that they did it twice. What I like about Kentucky is they're one of the few teams that will play small ball anymore. Um, yeah. I'm actually, just as a general fan, it's not something that I would want to see all the time, but I like a team that does whatever is necessary to win and going old school style and playing small ball and not necessarily being the team that's just trying to hit it out the uh, park. I, I like Kentucky, and I do like their pitching. I'm you know, they're a team that I could put in the top 25. So I'm assuming, you know, y'all's top 25 hadn't came out yet. I'm not asking for it, not asking you to do any spoilers. But, you know, is Kentucky, I assume, in there? Uh, so ours is actually still being calculated. I've put – I've created mine and put it in our little system because we got more guys who still have to vote. Um, but I, I definitely have Kentucky in my top 25. All right. So I was going to uh, – and hopefully he'll come back. Uh, let Bomb talk about Arkansas, me talk about LSU – um, in, in the new South Carolina as we, you know, kind of wrap this thing up because, like I said, I didn't put a timetable on this. But um, I'll go ahead and start with LSU and kind of break it down with you, you know, talking about their pitching. Dude, it's just wild. Complete opposite of last year, just trying to do whatever we can to find anyone outside of Skeens. Um, you know, obviously Ty Floyd was there, but it was, you know, his win-loss record obviously doesn't indicate, you know, the struggles he had. It's crazy to think he never had a loss through some of those struggles, but – uh, you know, ultimately got it together when it mattered most. But outside of that, piecing things together, um, went down there and saw them during the fall multiple times, was just impressed. And the, and the depth that they have, AJ, you know, right now it's looking like Hurd is your Friday night, Holman is your Saturday, and Jump is your Sunday. Um, you know, but you can make a case for, for lower, you know, being in there. Cam Johnson, I can't stop talking about it enough. I know Alex did with you too. Like when you watch a dude come in that big – he. Realize he wasn't even 18 years old yet, AJ. He just turned 18 last week when I did his birthday shout out. Like he's throwing 99 from the left. His slider was just what I mean, he had these dudes. I mean, I had the one one video I posted, the guy was guessing and he guessed terribly because he didn't know what to do. Um, and so to think that they have that weapon, the number one freshman in the country, and that was I watched those games, they didn't even get into you know, Herring or into you know, Nasty Nate or DJ Primo, you know, Gavin Gidry, all those like, and me and you talked about the amount of lefties they got. The depth of LSU's pitching is insane. Like, I mean, am I, am I being a fan right now, AJ, or do you feel the same way about this quality of pitching arms? No, I mean, the quality is definitely there. Um, yeah, I, I think if you look at a question is, you know, if – Thatcher Hurd kind of starts the year how he started last year with a little bit of a struggle. You know, then what's the rotation look like? Well, answered by Pullman and Jump transferring in. If those two guys didn't transfer in, then you'd be throwing freshmen into the fire. Then you'd be having relievers step up into starting roles and you have more questions. Um, obviously, there are still going to be questions about how do these guys perform in the SEC, but the talent is there. The depth is there. You just hope it's a uh, that if their struggles occur, that it's manageable, it's freshman stuff, it's not injury related, and that these guys can work through stuff because the talent is, you know, top of the country with that pitching depth. Yeah, and it's gonna be on them to carry them, right? Like, let's make no bones about it. Like LSU has some good bats, but 
you cannot lose what you lost, right? There, Dylan Cruz isn't walking through that door, right? And you have guys who've been a staple of the team for a long time, like Dugas and Beloso and Joe Bear. Like, those dudes are gone. And, yes, you have guys that you hope to step up, like a Paxton Kling, for instance, right? But, like, it's going to be tough. The guy that follows Dylan Cruz, I don't want to be that guy. You know, you got Brown out there as a freshman, high expectations, tough thing to do. You expect guys like you hope, like Pearson, who's coming back, Travinsky, um, to really be a stable. Obviously, behind the dish, you know, talking about having Travinsky, Malazzo, and Neal. Obviously, you know, amazing problem to have. Too many good catchers. But the bats are going to take a step back, and it's going to be on the pitching to carry that load. The big question will be, we were talking about the guy behind the guy. You know, whoever ends up being for Tommy White, can you protect Tommy White in that lineup? You know, Bob, I ask you. Do you think they're going to struggle to to keep Tommy protected this year? Because I, I think it's a legitimate question. I, I think they will a little bit. Uh, I, I do think Jay figures it out by the end of the season. The, the thing about Tommy White, though, is I don't think I saw a better two-strike hitter in the country last season. Uh, of course, you, you don't want to throw the guy strikes, and you can always just put him on base. But if you get if a pitcher gets in that situation, I think he's the best two strike hitter in the country. But who who is the bat that's going to pr- protect him in the lineup? I think that was the ultimate mistake, you know, going to Omaha. Like if I'm a nasty, I don't throw Tommy White anything he can hit for that opportunity. Um, I get it, man. Camden is elite. Like I don't care what anybody says about him after the fact. That that dude's elite. It happens. You know, everybody try to troll him. But and I get he's confident in himself, but I'm not. Man, let's let's deal with Beloso, right? Like, and obviously Cade had his moments, but still at the end of the day, I'm wanting to face Cade over Tommy. That just is what it is. Um, my question for you, uh, AJ, talking about that lineup, you actually have a lot of speed in there. You know, I was just talking about Kling, for instance, right? The dude can swipe a bag anytime he wants. Um, LSU and Jay are not known for the small ball. We were just talking about with Kentucky, but with not having your home run hitters like you have this year, do you expect to see them to swipe more bags to be more aggressive, play small ball? I think they're definitely going to have to, especially in the SEC, to steal a couple of games here or there. Um, and that's if the power bats don't click and all don't mash because you know guys like Jared Jones and Jake Brown and Mac Bingham transferring in, they have the potential just to bash the ball all over the yard. And if that's their identity and if it works, then they won't have to run as much. But it's hard to have every guy come in and click. Not everybody's going to perform how you expect them to or how you project them to. So they're going to need to rely on a little bit more of that speed because it is going to be present in the lineup with the guys like Kling who are going to be trying to set the table and get in scoring position for Tommy White and Mac Bingham. Yeah, and you bring up Jared Jones. He was interesting last year because he was so hot, but pitchers figured him out. He's going to have to figure out, you know, we're talking about Tommy's approach, right? He's going to have to figure out how to not just swing at everything he sees because if, if you watch him, I mean, that's really what he does. But he's an elite talent. That's not me hating. That's just a freshman that when it came to it, the scouting reports were there. They kind of figured him out. But, um, yeah, he can get a hold of one with the best of them. Um, the last thing, and then we'll transfer over to Arkansas, you know, Bomb, we talk about their schedule. Um, you know, LSU's actually got a pretty brutal schedule. Do you think it's it's one of those things, it doesn't matter where they end up as long as they can be at home when this thing's all said and done for postseason, they're an Omaha team? I, I 100% believe they're an Omaha team. Uh, 
I haven't looked at their full schedule, but I do know that they have got the pitching to go on the road and win. Their one luxury uh, is they got Florida and Vandy at home, but their West foes, for the most part, they're hitting the road. I believe you can go into Mississippi State and win. Uh, the 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 pitching in, at Ole Miss, I think, is going to be better than it was last year. I'm not sure about the lineup. Uh, they can go into, into Swayze and win. So having Florida and Vandy at home, that's going to help. And I honestly think they, they win the Vandy series. The Florida series could be a toss-up. And if they can win that series, then, yeah, 100% they, they, they can punch a top eight and be at home at Alex Box throughout the postseason. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll actually, after I give you all a turn to talk about your teams, I'm actually going to come back around and talk about Ole Miss because I'm actually sitting here looking at the uh, hat that was sent to me for Christmas. Um, I'm I'm a believer in them. Obviously, I have them in the top 25. That was one of the ones that people said something to me about. But maybe it's I'm a little biased. I don't know. I went and saw eight fall games this year. I'm a believer in that lineup. So I'll get into that in a minute. But um, let's come over to you, Dennis. Let's talk about Arkansas in depth real quick, you know. Um, talk to me, um, not just why you think they're an Omaha team, but, you know, just why they're they're so good. Outside of Hagen-Smith and Brady Tucker, let's, as a matter of fact, let's start with the lineup, the, the thing that people are sleeping on. Talk to us about the lineup. Uh, I've heard people say that our offense is Kendall Diggs, and that's it. Uh, there are some question marks in the offense, no doubt. But you bring in a proven SEC hitter in Ty Wilmsmary. He batted over 300 last season. Uh, a guy like Jack Wagner, uh, I think what he Man, he looked good. He looked good this fall. Uh, he looked really good this fall. It's a bat, and I'll say this: it's a battle between him and McLaughlin for first base. McLaughlin hit the ball well. Uh, Wahiba Aloy is going to be a superstar at shortstop. Uh, Peyton Holt hit the ball well last year. The offense, the catcher position, was a black hole in our lineup. Uh, we've got four catchers that all four hit the ball well and played defensively well. Uh, the transfer in, Hudson White, he's probably, as far as defensively, uh, he's probably the one that need, has to do the most work defensively. But part, working with uh, Bobby Warnes and Parker Rowland, he got better as the fall went along. Uh, I do um, That was the thing Parker told AJ on the hot corner. He said, behind the dish is taken care of for a long time in Fayetteville. Oh, well, I haven't even mentioned the kid that's going to be an absolute stud in Ryder Helfrich. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was high on him. I think it's a toss-up between Parker and, and Ryder on who's going to get the most reps behind the dish. Uh, of course, we're going to have Peyton Stovall back. Uh, that's a tough injury to come back from and be good as good at the plate as you need to be. But I do think uh, that's going to add another dimension. Uh and there's some other guys out there too that we didn't even get to see during the fall. Uh, Lovich, we didn't see him at the at all in the fall due to injury. Uh, so it's going to be more than Kendall Diggs. I don't think we're going to have the power numbers that we did last season, but I think as far as for average and on base and guys hitting doubles to the gaps, I think believe we'll be at or above 300 as a team at the plate this season with a little with some good team team speed. You can see some small ball from Dave. So I think the offense is going to be in better shape than what folks are giving it credit for. Yeah, no doubt. AJ, would you say that Arkansas and LSU are similar in the fact that it's it's definitely, though, going to rely on their pitching to get them there to, to Omaha when it's all said and done? Yeah, I, I think pitching staff, I think 
Arkansas is going to rely more on their starting rotation to set them up for wins and then let their offense just kind of score enough, um, you know, especially during SEC play. I think the offense has the potential for Arkansas to win games on their own, just like LSU's offense has the potential to win games on their own. But the pitching staffs are going to need to kind of be the identity uh, for both of those teams to have success. Yeah, so talking about the pitching staff, Bob, like I said, outside the guys that everybody knows, um, let the people know who they need to have on their radar um, that you saw this fall, whether freshmen transferring in um, that, you know, are really going to be a, you know, big part of the team going forward. Uh, the first one I'll talk about is lefty Parker Coyle. Uh, he had an amazing summer last summer and he carried that over into the fall. Uh, looked really good. Ben Bybee, uh, Christian Fouch. Uh, as far as returning guys, and of course, we, everybody knows about Gage Wood. He hit a little bit of a freshman wall there at the end of the season, but in the fall, he he went out there and just decimated batters right and left. Uh, had all of his stuff. He's developed a, a fourth pitch. Uh, he says he's not going to rely on his fastball as much, so he's going to have a good season. And if you get into the freshman, uh, Gabe Geckel and uh, Hunter Deets. The, uh, let me tell you something about uh, Geckel. Forget, you know, one of the things I tell you I value, it's what players think. His own players, I mean, he's got a hype train. And when the guys in Fayetteville are telling me how good he is, that's all I need to know. I don't care what any fan thinks. And one we haven't got to see yet is Adam Hackman. Uh, he didn't throw it all up during the fall, and he's, he's another one of those freshmen that's supposed to be huge. The one guy I would love to put it all together because I've talked to several of our hitters, and they've said he's got the best stuff on the staff by far is Jake Faraday. He just can't find the strike zone. Uh, he's erratic. When he's on, guys can't touch him, but his problem is consi his consistency in finding the strike zone. So what's his role, um, you think, you know, having the kind of stuff he is, but being someone that maybe – obviously you don't want closing the game. Is he, is he somebody who's coming first out the pen? Is he a setup guy? What do you see for him? He could be a setup guy. He could be uh, – he comes in, gets an inning, uh, comes in against one batter, uh, let's say a Tommy White, and just goes out there and challenges him. Uh, but he's got he's got to be more consistent. That That's the big the big issue with Jay. And I'd love to see him put it all together because great kid, great ball player. He just hadn't got it all. It's sort of like Jackson Wiggins for two seasons. Dude had amazing stuff, but – when all you can do is spot a fastball and you spot it at the top of the zone and a guy puts it out of the park and Lindsey Nelson is not serving a real good purpose. So I want to see Jake get it together. Uh, yeah. And one that, that I saw that I was impressed with was Stone Hewlett, uh, another lefty transfer that, that I was really impressed with the two times I saw him. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, that really speaks to the depth. So the last thing on Arkansas – Talking about that college baseball series, well, we'll meet up. Um, you know, talking about getting to face Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Michigan. Um, I thought it was great for Arkansas last year, right? Going there, we were able to see best on best. Um, you know, and we that was the thing, right? People act like TCU came out of nowhere. We saw it firsthand, right? I sat there with Jalen Battles, and he sat there and talked about how good they were. Once again, I value their opinion. And so when they come back around, everybody's like, oh, this TCU team just got hot at the right time. While that may be true, they were always that good. They just kind of hit a slump. Um, and so I bring that up to say this year, you know, having a team that we're all high on in Oregon State, right, a team with Oklahoma State that 
you know, maybe I'm not as high as others, but nonetheless, they're in people's top 25 for a reason. Um, how good of a you know measure stick do you think that is? Just like last year and the year before, I love that Arkansas has made this a perennial trip. Um, I like testing yourself early. You know how how much are you excited about this and the teams are playing? I I am absolutely one hundred percent pumped because it is a good measuring stick on okay here's where we're at, here's what we need to work on. These are other programs that are perennial powers, and you don't want to go out there and lay a goose egg. Uh, like you said, the TCU was sort of a a foreshadowing to what was going to happen later in the season. Uh, I can look back to the 2020 season uh, when it was all top 10 that, that were in Arlington. And of course that season got canceled, uh, but we got off to a good start. And I believe it was a year. Did y'all do it in 20? Did y'all do it in 2020 and 2021? 21, we were in Houston and went, Oh, and no, no. No, 21 was when y'all went to – because I was supposed to go, and that's when I got snowed in like it is right now and had to get refunded on my uh, tickets from, from Globe Life. So I know that was at Globe Life because it's all six, top ten, Big 12, SEC. So did you maybe go to Houston in 2020? May have been Houston 2020. But So yeah. that means y'all have done it four years in a row, though. Yeah, co coming out, stacking the deck. But um, – because y'all went 3-0 and in 2021 because, uh, ironically, Mississippi State was the only team that lost a game in that. The SEC went 8-1 and in that weekend. Um, so kind of crazy being that they won. But I love that. I mean, it is a true measuring stick. And like you said, we were able to see TCU um, and how good they were. And I think for Oregon State and Arkansas specifically, like I'm willing to bet AJ. I mean, that's probably – I don't have the, the schedule out in front of me, but that's the game of the, the weekend probably, no doubt. Yeah, I, I mean, if if you want to be a contrarian, you can say that like, oh, Auburn plays Iowa, and that's two teams that could surprise. But but no, that, that's that any any game Arkansas plays that week has the potential to be the game of the weekend. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, as we like continue to talk and finish this up, I'm going to see what day they actually have that uh that game because that we we have a good line on who the starters are and. I'm curious to if it's day one, day two, or day three. Here we go, pulling it up. It's day one. That's the day Friday. One, yep. So, oh man, we're get we're getting Aiden May against Hagen Smith, dude. Uh sign sign me up. I am going to be there. Oh, <laughs> let's go. All right, so let's get into South Carolina, AJ. Obviously, we talked about them um, a couple different times already, but actually deep diving into it, um, we talked about Patrick Costas and Messina. Talk to everyone. Tell them about the rest of the batting order. I mean, just kind of going around the diamond, um, you get Parker Nolan transferring from Vandy. He's going to step in at second base, um, replacing Will McGillis. Big loss, but he was hurt for most of the year. Um, I, I think a healthy Will McGillis, and that was a different South Carolina team, but more veteran guys stepping in. Uh, Parker Nolan had success at Vandy. Good glove, uh, respectable bat, a little bit of pop. That's what they need there. Um, Talmadge Leecroy is just a grinder at third base. Um, it, it's he'll hit for you know 290, uh, maybe threaten 300, uh, add a little bit more pop, um, but just be a good consistent glove, just real kind of grit team guy over there. Um, you'll see him kind of fifth or sixth in the lineup, just spray line drives all over the place. And then going around the outfield, it's it's a bunch of speed power options. Kennedy Jones transferred from UNC Greensboro. This guy has torn up the cape. Uh, he's a true prospect. Uh, it, it's not just like UNC Greensboro good. He is SEC good. Um, he's a double-digit home run guy. He'll hit in the 320s. 
I'm going to try to good glove out there. Center field, it's a competition. Uh, Evan Stone and Dylan Brewer coming back. Blake Jackson, new guy from Charlotte. All are glove first, contact first center fielders. Uh, Blake Jackson had a standout fall, uh, so he probably has the inside track. Stone, a little bit more speed. Brewer, a little bit more pop, so you can kind of flex however you, you want to go in the lineup with whoever is hot. But it looks like it's going to be um, Blake Jackson to start the year. And then right field, you got Ethan Petri. So, I mean, what more do you want in right field? Dennis, uh, we, talk, we talk about what you can learn from in off the bench stories. Um, AJ knew this, but I didn't know this. And this is wild to think. I really want you to think about this, Dennis. We had Jacob Compton from Memphis on, formerly of South Carolina. And Ethan was not set to even be the starter coming into the season. He had had a really tough fall. And it was Jacob Compton, and then Jacob Compton went down. Can you imagine a scenario where Ethan Petrie wouldn't have been in the lineup and we wouldn't have seen – you know, I feel like in the end, some way or another, he would have been in there and we would have seen what we saw. But just think about it out the gate, and maybe it took some time before Ethan Petrie would have even been known. Well, he didn't even start the year in right field. That was Dylan Brewer. Ethan Petrie got a pinch hit at bat because they were blowing out um, whoever – wasn't Central Connecticut State yet? They played them next week. They played might have played them that weekend, but they blew out whoever they were facing. And Ethan Petrie got a pinch hit at bat and hit like a 107 single back up the middle. And they got another pinch hit at bat the next game and hit another rocket and was like, okay, maybe we need to slide this guy into the DH spot. Um, yeah, but but it was what he does is incredible with the bat. I think if there's one question with South Carolina. It's you lose Braylon Wimmer at shortstop. Does Will Tippett step into that role? Um, does Lee Ellis, the freshman, whose glove and arm are already there, bats lagging behind a little bit, does he fight for that role? Um, you just get a transfer, Jordan Carrion, who has experience at Florida and Florida State. He provides depth. What does shortstop look like after, you know, Braylon Wimmer being the second best player on the team last year, losing him? What? What do you get from that position? You just don't want a black hole like South Carolina had with so many injuries. Yeah. Well, I know this. Messina laughed at the whole idea that Braswell uh, left uh, South Carolina and wasn't worried about shortstop. So if if my guy's laughing, he feels comfortable about something um, and, and wasn't worried about him leaving. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with uh, Braswell coming to LSU and, like you said, Wimmer being gone. But I don't know, man. I just re- I really feel confident, even if you have maybe, you know, you just have someone there defensively, isn't somebody who can swing it. As long as you have that, I feel like that lineup's more than capable enough to, to carry it and maybe just have, you know, one weak spot if it falls that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to go around the lineup and find – it's hard to go around the country and find a lineup that doesn't have kind of a, a lull at the end. And, and if your lull is one batter, great. You just don't want it to be three or four or five guys – um, which just South Carolina's depth haven't even talked about Ryan Bakes, the freshman who's been mashing the ball, Tyler Causey transfer from UNC. He hits tanks, uh, Carson Hornug experienced bat walks as much as he strikes out, um, sees pitches actually batted lead off for South Carolina to start the year last year. There is so much experience, um, and just power potential bat potential with that lineup. There's depth all over the diamond. It's, it's very refreshing to see after a couple of years where South Carolina has been weak in some offensive positions.
Yeah, it's really what we talk about. If they can stay healthy this year, uh, sky's the limit. When we talk about lineups that, you know, one through nine, and the only weakness that's been in the Tennessee lineup for the last couple of years is the the catching position. Um, and so bringing in Cannon Peebles, like, I don't see a, a weakness in Tennessee's lineup. I think they have the best lineup, you know, in the SEC, in, in my belief. And obviously, you know, some people may not agree with that, but I just don't see it. And if you get guys like – Blake Burke or Zane Denton um, to be more consistent. Obviously, you got Christian Moore, who was amazing last year. And we talk about Amit coming in and we talk about people's coming in. I just, I really feel good about this Tennessee lineup. And if you have other guys outside of Drew Beam and Xander Seacrest to step up in that pitching staff, I mean, there's a reason why all three of us have them as an Omaha team. Um, I, I really feel, I feel good about what them boys in Knoxville got going. The other team I wanted to talk about because we brought it up and I was sitting there right jotting it down on Ole Miss. Uh, you know, we talk about the transfer portal. Luke Hill coming from Arizona State and Andrew Fisher coming from Duke are huge hits for Ole Miss. I, I watched both of them all fall. Both those dudes can play. Um, you know, Ethan Groff sticking around. Uh, Campbell Smithwick is going to be one of the best freshmen in the country. You got uh, – Leaders in Ethan Leger and Reagan Burford, who, um, you know, are in their fifth year. So I feel pretty good about that lineup. I don't think they're world beaters like, you know, Tennessee or South Carolina, like we're talking about, but um, more than comparable. And then in the arms, um, JT Quinn, I think, is a certified ace. I, I really do. I think he's going to shock a lot of people this year. Um, we'll see if Rivas continues to build off his freshman campaign. Um, Grayson Sonye has to be, uh, you know, more consistent, but he has shown flashes of how great he can be. And then Riley Maddox is finally back healthy coming off Tommy John. Um, he looked amazing all fall. I only watched him give up um, two hits in like five outings. So really feel good. Like I said, I'm not saying this team is Omaha bound, but for the people who kind of like laughed about me having them in my top 25, um, just stay tuned. Um, especially because I'm going to the series with them hosting A&M. And that's the team that I'm not high on that a lot of people are. Um, and I kind of that's kind of a good transition, um, AJ, because I know you are high on them. And maybe I'm just sleeping on um, what they got going on. And then I'll come to you, Bomb, after. But AJ, talk to me about AM and what I'm missing here. Um, I am not high on AM. Oh, is it? I know Jake is. I thought you were too. No, no, no. Oh, J good. Jake Let's and I are going on. back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, if you want an argument for AM, I'll give you an argument for AM. Um, the transfer talent they brought in, if it clicks, you know, Braden Montgomery can be the cornerstone of any team and have success. Um, if it clicks, paired with Jace Lavalette, paired with uh, Gavin Grohovic, the freshman they're bringing in, who is reminding people of, you know, Jace Young over there at third base, I believe that's what Kendall Rogers said. Um, you know, the talent is there. My, my whole question is, can the pitching staff throw strikes? What we've seen great offense you want a great offense with the pitching staff that didn't throw strikes last year i'll point you at mississippi state they can slug but they couldn't throw strikes that's been their problem the, the past couple of years and AM's trying to rely on chris cortez who throws 99 and walks like four guys a game uh, his whip was higher than jack caglione's last year you're going to rely on braden montgomery who threw seven innings last year because he walked eight guys total it's who if they can't throw strikes, I don't trust them. And until they prove to me that they can throw strikes, I'm not going to trust them. Yeah, let, let me ask this because uh, I was talking about it this morning, and I'll swing it to you, Dennis. Talking about Braden Montgomery, I think 
it was a terrible decision to leave Stanford. Like when you have, you know, the opportunity to play in the Pac-12 and continue to dominate versus coming to SEC and drop your stock, I really just don't understand it. I don't find it to be a great decision. I get NIL opportunities, right? But you're projected top 10 pick. You're going to be paid soon enough. I would Stanford also is a perennial Omaha team right now. Are they not? Obviously, we don't have them there this year, but um, I don't think everybody necessarily had them there last year because we talked about it a little bit with Tommy Troy on the show. But, I mean, would you have stayed put, Dennis, and just had success out in the Pac-12 versus possibly struggle in the SEC, or would you have went and tried to prove something like he's trying to do? Me, myself, I probably would have stayed where I was at. I, I get where he's coming from. If you want to be the best, you want to compete against the best. And when you look across the country, that the best programs are in the SEC. So I can get it from that standpoint. And that may be Braden's thought process. I'm going to go compete against the best, prove that I can, and improve my draft stock in the, in the, in the process. So best of luck to him. Uh, we'll see how it turns out for him. So if you were to put them in the West, we'll start with you. Um, you know, do you have them in the top top four or do you have them in the bottom three? I'd love I'd love to say bottom three, but I do believe they, they beat out Mississippi State, Alabama, and Auburn. Uh I, I agree with you that I think Ole Miss is gonna be sitting there in third. Uh and I think Texas AM will be tucked in there at fourth. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be interesting where AJ has him because he has, you know, said he's high on Auburn. That's that's where I messed up. My bad, AJ, because it was Auburn. He said he was high on not a And M. Um, you know, where do you have them at? Yeah, so actually, if you want an in-depth analysis, I just released an article yesterday about my SEC predictions. It has some rankings, has some kind of roster breakdowns for everybody, um, and then kind of ceiling floor, and then my personal prediction. But I have the West looking. LSU 1, Arkansas 2, Mississippi State 3, Auburn 4, Texas A&M 5, Ole Miss 6, Alabama 7. All right. Well, we're going to have to dive into something there, and it's an interesting thing that I'm going to go after real quick. Um, Was there this fall, obviously, numerous guests. You're going to have to sell me right now on Mississippi State in that three spot, and it's interesting you have to do that. That's That's my son squad. That's where we're setting up NIL deals. We're sponsored by the Bellsmith. But I'm going to need you. Hey, Dennis knows how much I love Mississippi State, but you're going to have to sell me right now on that three. All right, all right, so we'll start with this. Do I have to sell you on the offense, or do we know that they're going to produce? No, no, no. They, they can absolutely rake, especially, you know, I, I could probably walk back that comment I said about South Carolina about possibly the best three, four, five. Mississippi State can definitely have an argument in that situation. Yeah, so pitching staff last year uh, decimated with injuries. I mean, you had Gerangelo – thrown into situations that he shouldn't have been thrown into as a freshman. He's having to open series for him. Um, gain valuable experience. Those guys that got shelled and you know just had rough experiences, those were freshmen and sophomore guys who weren't expected to be in those situations. And it'll, be, it'll also be interesting because Fox Hall got fired. And- Just, Justin Parker is going to be that team's MVP this year. He is all about, hey, your stuff, the stuff that you throw, isn't going to be the best pitch that the batter's ever seen. Someone else has better stuff than you do. Someone throws the ball harder. Someone moves it more. Someone makes it do something else naturally. So instead of trying to throw the best pitch, throw your best pitch with your best execution. We're not trying to throw the perfect pitch every time. We're trying to execute, hey, you want to change up and you want it to fade away and you want to start outside corner and break off the plate. Then if you're going to miss, 
miss over there. Don't miss over the plate. Execute your pitch, pitch by pitch. And I think that thought process will help a lot of the Mississippi State guys avoid walks, avoid finding barrels in the middle of the zone when they fall behind in counts. I think that ERA is not going to be in the sevens and the eights like we saw last year. It's going to be more around the fours and fives. And with that offense, I think that that staff just has to be average. And you're looking at, you know, especially kind of in a, in a West that isn't as dominant as we've seen, that, that third place spot is up for grabs. Yeah, and I'll say this. I'm high on Holcomb. I'm high on Nate Dome. I'm high on Gerangelo. Um, this is how much I, I, I shoot it straight. You know, Brooks Auger and Pico Cone are even my boys. Um, I've drove to Starkville to hand them checks because I want to give them to them personally. Um, they're both coming off injury. I've told them both. I'm going to need to see it. Like yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to need to see the old version of yourself. Outside of those three, I can realistically say I have to see it from anybody to be confident in it. So it'll be interesting. It's something that I would love to see. I would love to see them be the third best team in the West. Um, I'd love to see them host and regional because it's great for college baseball. Um, Duty Noble being a host site, you know, I got to meet Dennis there this past year. He got to see what it was all about. Um, I would love for it. The other team I want to ask you about is because we were talking about it and you got to talk to Caleb Freeman last night. You know, um, we got him upcoming on our show as well to get his story, but Talk to me about about Auburn and what you know he and you discussed and what you know you feel about your projections with them. Yeah, I mean, if I would if I were to tell you that Auburn has hosted regionals in back to back years, would you believe me? Because they have. No. Uh, if I were to told you that they've been to Omaha twice in the past, I think six years, would you believe me? Because no. they have. And let, and let me ask you about this. Being that I was in Omaha both years, why is it the Auburn fan base, unlike the other SEC teams? doesn't come it really it really doesn't make sense when you look at the rest of the team um both years there just wasn't a big auburn showing is it just because um they're a much bigger football school or what i think it's because they're trying to rebuild that fan base um rebuild the faith in the baseball program and you know yeah it shouldn't take a couple trips to omaha to build that fan base up we see fan bases cheer we for less um <laughs> especially in 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 easier conferences to play in where you can make more appearances. But I mean, what Butch Thompson does with that roster every year and the transfer guys he brings in, if there's a single coach in the country who can have a locker room gel year after year with a bunch of new guys that get the best out of them, it's Butch Thompson. Um, and last year they even get punched in the face right away. You're building around Jacob or Jake Gonzalez as your Friday night guy. He starts the first game and then gets hurt. So you're having to remake your, entire rotation one week into the year they struggle a little bit then catch fire and end up posting a regional it jake and dallas is going to be back they still have a ton of experience in that bullpen um, and the offense the guys they bring in at every level of ball they played out they've had success and i i just trust the talent the depth i mean the depth to me was incredible and in, in, in writing my um kind of preview for the team i was like this guy could start at third or these three guys and then if they don't start here then they could also start at short but then there's also these other two guys all can hit all can field it's it's going to be the deepest roster that you don't know about until june when they're knocking your favorite team out <laughs> i love the way you put that i think that's one of the coaches that doesn't get enough recognition is bush thompson uh, I've always respected Butch, and I've always thought he's done a great job building a roster and then getting the most out of the roster that he has. So uh, shout out to Butch Thompson and, and what he does every year. And 
maybe one of these days people will stop doubting him. He he does it year after year. So we'll see how it goes this year. Yeah. And so let me use this opportunity to to plug AJ as a whole, right? Um, first, where can they find your article? You know, what's your handle? So they can, it's obviously on the thing. Actually, so I shouldn't say that. I'm not used to, hey, remember, I told you it's my first time to, to do StreamYard. But, um, you know, talk about the article. Where can they find it? Is it just at your Twitter or are there other ways to find it? Uh, College Baseball Central. You know, I, I do my writing and reporting for them. Um, we have a show on there that you, know, you can argue with me on there. We also do a live stream every Saturday to have you throw questions. But collegebaseballcentral.net, our website, you can find it through the Twitter handle. Um, all the articles are posted there as well. It's in-depth looks at specifically, I do the SEC East teams. Some people are doing deep dives in the SEC West teams, but my all of my articles will be college baseball central go follow that account uh got a lot of guys from all over the country creating content for them it's not just sec it's pac 12 um got a couple guys up north trying to rep big 10 it's it's all over the country yeah and i'm gonna plug as a whole like that's why i love having you two on bomb we talk because me and you talk more just on a regular day-to-day basis than me and aj but Talk about guys who know ball. I love guys who know more than just about their team. Um, you have people who want to make a case or argue college baseball with you, but they can't tell you about the different teams. AJ's sitting here listing off all these different facts, all these different players about these different teams. You're doing the same thing, Dennis. If you're going to legitimately have a baseball conversation, I uh, want to know that you know more than just about your team and that you have a biased opinion. And so I love following you guys. I love following a lot of the guys that, if I'm tagging and saying these guys are a must follow, there's a reason they're going to give you great content, especially if you talk about their team. Um, but if they're given an opinion on something, it's because they actually know. Um, and so follow AJ, follow Dennis, AJ with college baseball central, follow those guys. Like he's saying, um, I'll just use another example, Mark Garland. Like I love, you know, I don't know as much about the PAC 12 as I would like to, it's a good follow, and it's, you know, we were talking Oregon State last night after we do the episode. He's a guy that, you know, he knew all the things that I was learning from the interview. So all these different guys you can follow, learn more about baseball. Um, you know, it's about growing the game, guys. We talk about it, right? Like, you don't have to pay for it either. Um, you know, that's not to throw shade at D1, but, you know, you can get the content from AJ, and you don't have to pay for it. That's That's why I try to – prop these other different people, writers, you know, reporters, podcasts up. Um, because I think in order to get college baseball and grow the game, we have to get people in. And one of the best ways to do it is give them the best content for free. Um, I love giving them, you know, the insight that we're getting from all these different guys, you know, the videos that we're getting from all these different games. You know, bomb, I'm excited. Um, Saturday, we're actually starting the video recording. It's from an 11-year-old but it's going to be 100% authentic. You know it. My son has been to all these different stadiums. He goes on all these different tours. He's going to shoot it straight out the gate. Last time we were at LSU when we weren't recording from his own mouth, he said, I don't like the lounge as much as Ole Miss. They got a better setup with their pool table and ping pong table. That's an 11-year-old shooting it straight. LSU players may hate him because he literally told kids where you can find the players where they come from the workout facility to the baseball field and catch them to where there's no way they can avoid you. And you can ask them for autographs and pictures. Like, I love it. It's, it's what he's going to do. It's 100% authentic to, you know, what he's seeing. And it gives people a look 
And I'm hoping through all the things that the three of us and everybody else is doing, I posted today talking about going and seeing the games. It's one thing to see it on TV. If you live anywhere near a stadium that you can drive to, it is worth your time to go. Like, man, I mean, AJ, you're out there at Founders. I talk to players all the time. Founders is one of the most underrated places simply because people don't know about it. You know, Bomb Walker has, you know, this status about it. You talk to guys, they say Founders is a top three place for them. Across the board, the guys I talk to in SEC, well, people can find this out more if they go to it. So if you, I, I, you know, if you live next to a college baseball town this year, if you live in a place like where me and, and Dennis do, hey, we got three, four, five in driving distance, check them all out. It's worth your time. But we could do this all day. Let's do one more thing. I'm going to ask each of y'all. Like I said, I have no plan wrote down. I'm going to come to you. Dennis, let's talk about non-Power 5 conference. Give me your team that you think can shock everybody um, outside of Campbell because we talked about them. Give me a team that you think can shock everybody and make some noise. Well, I, I doubt it's shocking sitting there at number 11 in D1s, but, but East Carolina, uh, I think this is the year they could break through and get to Omaha. We saw Oral Roberts do it last year. And I think that's a squad that they're not ranked, but they return a lot of pieces that went to Omaha last year. So, yeah, we talked to Kyle Booker about it. That's why I got I put them at the twenty-five spot to have them in mind because he talked about all those returners, and then they had some transfers that came in, including himself. I think Oral is going to be sneaky good. That that that's a squad sort of like DBU, great baseball programs, and they're there year after year. And you knew eventually they're going to punch tickets to Omaha. Oral Roberts did it last year. Are they going to do it again this year? Probably not, but that same – Wouldn't sleep on them. So you never know what, what's going to happen. Yeah, I've been waiting for ECU, and you brought up DBU. I've been waiting for both of them to do it. Um, I don't think the DBU is going to come anywhere near it this year. But, yeah, ECU, and we talk about going to stadiums. God, the jungle is dying. They are dying to host in the postseason, specifically super regionals. AJ, can you imagine electricity from East Carolina, dude, if they're hosting a super? I mean, I they've been so close so much. I just think of that that super when they hosted Texas. And it was, you know, they just couldn't hold on to the lead, but that environment was as raucous as it gets. I mean it doesn't even matter if you're a power five team or not, that that's one of the top five environments in all the college baseball. When that yeah, place it's, it's on my bucket list. Like I've got, I've got to like, I want to be in that outfield. I want to like feel that electricity. I will deck out in their gear. Y'all see me when I go to places, as long as LSU ain't there, which they won't be um, sign me up. But I, I love their accounts. So, you know, we're talking about following people on social media. Um, they push hard for ECU and I would, I would love to see it. This is the year that they can do it. The team that I'll bring up, you know, you guys both know about it. I Memphis, what they have done at the University of Memphis, they have guys on their roster from Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina. They're picking the guys up from those SEC programs who are sitting on the bench. What a smart move to do because you're talking about guys who are the caliber of SEC. Yes, they're not starting on those teams. There's a reason why they're coming. But as an American Athletic Conference team, if you can get SEC guys up and down your roster – that's a good way to win your conference. And I think Memphis isn't going to win the AAC. That's all I'm saying. 
But I think for the first time in a while, ECU has a team that can legitimately push them. I'm going to that series. It's in Memphis. Uh, I look forward to it. Memphis has a brand new field. It's going to be nice. Um, hopefully they can just make it a series that puts Memphis kind of on the map, even if it does result in ECU winning. Uh, last thing, AJ, you know, going, I'm going to look, I'm going to use off my, my top 25 to go there. You know, if you were to bet, if you were to bet on it, um, who's winning the Big 12, Texas or TCU? Uh, it's it's hard for me to go against TCU. It, it seems like even last year that they were a little bit ahead of schedule, um, whereas Texas it was, you know, you got Dylan Campbell, you got Tanner Witt, who we, who we know is back, but it felt like last year was kind of Texas's year um, to win the Big 12, and it – you know, with TCU making Omaha and Texas not felt a little bit like a passing of the torch for TCU just to kind of take it and run with it this year. Of course, anything can happen, especially in the Big 12. That's a crazy conference. Those standings are always so convoluted. It, you look at it and you're like, you could finish first or seventh, you know, mm. six games away from the end of the year. Uh, but if I had to bet, I'd go TCU. How, you know, how sad does it make you? It makes me, uh, like, I, while I embrace Texas coming to the SEC, you know, that that's going to be broke up. It's not going to be there next year. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I really, really am pushing for, you know, the preservation of rivalry games just across the country with so many teams changing conferences and, um, you know, just – trying to play more conference series, trying to play more conference games across other sports, you're going to lose games that you don't even realize you're going to miss until you look up and you're like, oh, we didn't see this happen this year. Um, you know, we're still going to get Texas-Oklahoma. That's going to be a protected rivalry in the SEC. But you're not going to get Texas-Texas Tech every year. You're not going to get Texas-TCU. You're not going to get Oklahoma-Oklahoma State. Like, those are games that are sorely going to be missed across all sports. Yeah, Um Dennis can give you a nice rant, uh, rightfully so, about their permanent opponent being uh, Missouri. Like, what What a screw job. Like, And I get it that you can only pair these teams with so many teams, right? But, man, do better by Arkansas. And, and maybe it's, you know, oh, man, I don't know. Geographically, maybe it made the most sense. I don't know, Dennis. I'll give you the floor on that, man. You still mad? <laughs> My goodness. All the – the teams that are out there that Arkansas has great cities and, and budding rivalries with uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Texas will be a natural one, Oklahoma, and we get uh, I would have liked for it to be LSU. Uh, they're desperately trying to push LSU and Texas A&M to be rivals. I understand that LSU and Arkansas really aren't in football. Obviously, they play for the boot, but um, they have had a lot more to talk about than LSU, Texas A&M. Um, I would have liked to have seen Arkansas got that. And then, obviously, LSU and Mississippi State really are rivals in baseball. So, that would have been much nicer for y'all. Um, so, I, when I look at it, and I think AJ probably agrees, I feel like it was geographically done for the most part. I, I mean, obviously, you had some that they did that were just staples. Um, but for the most part, I don't know. Do you feel the same way, Dennis? Yeah, it was geographical. And plus, if you'll notice with the, the battle line, and I absolutely despise that. The battle line, they've tried to push the last several years. You sort of knew it was going to happen uh, the way it's been being pushed in football. Uh, and so when Texas and Oklahoma were coming on board and they did the conference realignment, you sort of sort of had an inkling it was going to happen, just didn't like seeing it come to fruition. 
Yeah, no doubt. So, like I said, we're going to close this thing up. We could do this all day, um, but check out the latest episode uh, from Dennis and Omaha's by Fireside. Um, like I said, he gets a unique perspective, and he got the Lanzilli brothers, um, you know, with Chris and Cam. It, it's, man, I loved it. It was it was great insight. You get both brothers, you know, you know, sharing their side of how all this goes down. And they talk about life, too, right? It's not just all baseball. AJ last night did the breakdown with Caleb Freeman, but I would, you know, tell you to go check out all seven episodes. He didn't have Alex last night, but him and Alex have been making their ways through the SEC. Um, only a couple teams left, and they're actually going to jump outside the SEC. They're going to do one Big 12, one uh, Pac-12, and one ACC episode before the season starts, but two guests on each episode, um, really doing a deep dive into the teams, talking to the players, so great stuff from them. Um, you know, last night, like I said, we had Aiden Jimenez, and then tonight have on um, uh, dang, mind blanking more from Kentucky. And then I gotta look at my man, guys, doing so many episodes, I'm losing where I'm at, what's what's next, and and who let me see, yeah. So Mason more tonight, and then Dylan Dryling from Tennessee tomorrow. So, um, another big Tennessee episode, but follow all three of us. Obviously, you can see AJ underscore the bomb 13. Um, Dennis, yours actually isn't on there. What's uh, what's yours exactly? Is it just straight out Bomb Squad? It, it's at Metters Dennis or, or, or Bomb Squad. It, it's my last name, first name. So, yeah, when I just type, as soon as I type in BA, because I tell you so much, it just automatically pops up Bomb Squad. And then I'm IOTV producer, but check all three of us out on Twitter. Uh, check out what we got going on. Like AJ said, follow College Baseball Central and all the things they got going. Stay tuned because over the next month, we are going to be pushing stuff, getting ready for college baseball season. It can't get here soon enough, but uh, thank both you guys for your time today. And, uh, man, look forward to everything y'all got on deck. Continue to grow the game that we love. That's what it's all about. Push these guys that are out there playing it, uh, get their stories out there, and, and grow the game of college baseball. Yeah, well, we only got a month until first pitch. Let's go. All right, boys. Have a good one. Have a great one, guys.